Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesuto Ophil. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra. Good morning, James. Good morning. Or afternoon, I should say, because it is afternoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we missed the morning, yeah. Mm. Um, I was out how's it all going? We were, we, were, we were supposed to do morning, but I changed the time on account of being out quite late last night because I'm up in Edinburgh at the moment at the Edinburgh Fringe, which involves a lot of staying out drinking until quite late at night, to be honest. Yeah, that's um, what it's, it's all about, isn't it? I believe I mean, there are prim- some other... Primarily. Yeah. There's some sort of artistic, you know, nonsense, but primarily it is drinking in student hovels until 4am. Um, what are life? you? It is, yeah, it really is. Uh, how's everything with you? How was New York? New York was, was pretty amazing, I have to say. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, an incredibly fun place to be at the best of times, and then when you add in a whole load of Arsenal fans on top of that, it's super fun. Um, mm. We had an amazing book launch on the Friday night. Um, great to meet, like, loads and loads and loads of Arsenal fans from all over America. Um, people gave me gifts of, of rum and bourbon. Wow. Uh, it, it was fantastic, really brilliant. And uh, the guys over there uh, from Arsenal NYC did a, a fantastic job in coordinating all the events that were going on between the book launch and art exhibition, you know, three pubs, just chock-a-block with, with Arsenal fans. It was like almost being at a, a home game. There were that many people around. And when you add all the splendor of New York on top of that, uh, it's, it's just very difficult to have a, a bad time. I do yeah, feel no. quite spent now, though. If, really? Yeah. Kind of exhausted. I can imagine. But hey, and, it's, uh, it's a lots good of e- Lots of emails. Lots of emails to catch up on. That's yeah. always fun. Loads of emails. I haven't quite got on top of those yet, but uh, because a lot's been happening. Um, uh, yeah, loads has gone on. Mm. Well, you've, mi- you've missed out. Yeah. We've bought people. Yeah. What was it like being out of the... Were you a bit out of the loop on, on that count? Was that all sort of... Were you up to date with the news or was it sort of filtering through in bits and pieces, drips and drabs? It was funny. At the the at the book signing, um, we're about two hours into it and, and somebody came up and was looking to get the book signed and said, uh, you hear we've uh, signed Callum Chambers. And I went, what? He said, yeah, <laughs> we've got apparently a £16 million deal in place for Callum Chambers. So mm. that, that was kind of how I got that news which was cool. I thought that was uh, a nice way to find out about something. But you know, I could wake up and um, I could wake up and read what Tom was writing on Ars Blog, and obviously with Twitter and everything else, it's it's not difficult to stay in the loop. Um, no, from, from well, that point a, of view, that's a great way to hear about something. That's quite retro, isn't it? You don't it get is, that yeah. anymore. 
yeah, did you hear, did you hear, what, what are you talking about? And then the, then it just started going around. People were going, wow, Callum Chambers, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was word of mouth, literally, mm. um, throughout, throughout O'Hanlon's on 14th Street. Um, and a really interesting signing as well, because it just, I'm not sure what he's going to do with him. The potential for Arsene Wenger to do a lot with Callum Chambers is pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, wh- where do you think he's going to he's going to play him? Because people are talking about him being centre half. People are talking about him perhaps being groomed for the for a central midfield role. He, he plays a right back. Um, he, he's very versatile. But you you just have the idea that Arsene Wenger's got something specific in mind for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. Chambers himself, when he signed, said, you know, listed those three positions, centre-half, right-back and holding midfield that Wenger had spoken to him about in conversation. Uh, And what Chambers said was, I'm looking forward to sort of seeing which one suits me best and which one I can progress in the most. So it's it's possible that there isn't a, a specific plan. But I do think that one of the big attractions was that ability to play <clears throat> potentially at right-back and There's that the night catching up with you. There you go. There you go. There'll be a lot of that this month, I have to say. <laughs> so I'm sorry, everyone at home. <clears throat> but I think that, like, uh, yeah, I think it's the fact that he can play at right back, but also at centre back. And we lost that versatility when we lost Sanya. And if Enger thinks that Chambers can do both those jobs, it gives him a lot, a lot more options in the squad. And I think he's obviously got one eye on on Vermaelen potentially leaving as well. So hmm. he's, he's thinking about filling in that centre-back spot. I think this season we'll probably primarily see him at right-back because that's where all his Premier League experience to date has been. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if in some games he, he gets a chance at, at centre-half too. I think holding midfields, as we've discussed, quite congested already. I think it's going to take a pretty a pretty big player to come in and, and walk straight into the team in, in that part of the park. That's not yeah. to say we couldn't do with one. But I, so I think it'll be at the back that we see Chambers more often. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think so, probably. But, uh, you know, I'm open to the, the endless possibilities of, of what Arsene Wenger can do with a player, particularly one whose who's position um, and whose abilities aren't necessarily fully formed so he can mould him to into whatever he likes. Yeah, What's I think that's a big part of the attraction, isn't it? Yeah. It's like great raw materials. Yeah, precisely. Um, what, what did you make of the, um, the Morgan Schneiderlin um, tweet during the week <laughs> in that you know a lot of people said he was pissed off that he couldn't get a move to Tottenham but you know do you think there's any chance he could have been pissed off that he wasn't allowed to move to us I don't know maybe he was pissed off because he thought he was going to Tottenham I think <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know I mean so there was a lot of talk around the time of the Chambers deal kind of being finalised that we were talking about Schneiderlin as well potentially um i think ben smith at the bbc uh said that arsenal you know wanted to take schneiderlin too if they could um then there were these reports that schneiderlin wanted to play with pochettino he wanted to go to tottenham i'd be very surprised if we weren't fishing around that area you know he's a player that wenger will have known about for a long time i think their hometowns are only a a few miles apart they're both alsatians Indeed, they are. And, and when Schneiderlin first came over to Southampton, you know, a long time ago now, 
there was a, a series of stories suggesting that he was kind of there as, as a feeder club and that he would be joining Arsenal within one or two years. I mean, that all turned out to be nonsense. But I think the fact that he was French alone at that time sparked that I, speculation. I remember that. I think there were actual stories saying that we were going to sign him and then all of a sudden he went to, he went to Southampton. Yeah, I yeah. I remember that. So I think there was always some sort of, you know, link there. And it, it seems he's someone who's been on Wenger's radar at the very least. I think if, I have to say, I think if it all goes, you know, tits up between Schneiderland and Southampton and hopefully Southampton get in a position where they're unhappy with Spurs and decide they don't want to sell to them, I think it'd be great if we could pounce in and, and nab him off. I know I'm setting myself up for a fall when he eventually joins Tottenham, but I think he'd be a, a really good addition if it's if it's something we can do. Yeah. Um, would you like him at Arsenal or...? He kind of fits the profile, doesn't he? He's good in that. He's good in that role. He's he's younger than either Arteta and, and Flamini, and that's something we've obviously got to bear in mind. If not this season, certainly next. Mm. Um, and you know, he does look like a player who could step up in, in terms of his performance level if you put him in a better team. I mean, his numbers are very good. Mm. His stats are very good. I have to say, when I watch Southampton. He's not someone I notice enormously, but I think. But maybe that's due oh, to the efficiency of what he does. You ever, indeed, you it's the, the old the old invisible wall thing, like Gilberto <laughs> Silva. And I have to say, um, I went to Southampton for the two-two game in January, uh, and I saw Callum Chambers play that night as a right back. And at that point, I, I had no idea who he was. Really, you know, nineteen-year-old kid who'd just broken into the first team. Uh, I think maybe an 18 at the time. And he was absolutely outstanding that night. Mm. And I remember leaving with a distinct impression that this guy was a, a serious player. You know, he, there were a couple of moments where he was sort of dribbling into our penalty box, causing real, real problems and very solid defensively. And in the light of that, that I think it's a really exciting signing. And it's it's the sort of deal that, you know, we know Wenger wanted Jones. We know he wanted Smalling. He's been looking to sign. That kind know, big, of player, yeah. Exactly that kind of player, promising English talent, versatile, powerful defenders, someone he can develop, someone who can be at the club for the next decade. And uh, he's got one now, and I, I think it's yeah, a terrific piece of business. Really excited to see him in an Arsenal shirt. Yeah, funny as well. I mean, he's the third to come from Southampton in that kind of a deal, a player who who's barely made an impact in the, in the Southampton first team, but we've spotted the potential, gone in with the right amount of money uh, and brought them on board. Yeah. So... I think that's a, a how much, credit how, to to the Southampton Academy as much as our scouting, but uh, just interesting all the same. Well, we've spent, you know, 40 million odd on those three. I wonder how much we could just buy the Academy for. It's obviously, <laughs> it's, it's obviously pretty good. Yeah, make them an offer for their uh, infrastructure. That, that could work. Yeah. Um, David, uh, David Ospina has come in as the mm. uh, number two goalkeeper to start off with. Again, a really interesting signing because we've spoken about this before perhaps a trend for clubs to have two really competitive goalkeepers rather than a very obvious number one and a second choice um i mean i have to admit i'm i'm blind to what ospina did before the world cup he impressed in brazil but you know it's very difficult to make any kind of assessment or judgment on him but given his profile given his age he is going to want to play first team football Wojciech Szczesny is going to want to play first team football so there's a real fight there for the number one there really is and 
you know, this is a signing we knew was was coming for some time, but not like the Chambers do in that respect. But when it happened, it was great looking at Twitter and seeing, you know, fans of other clubs, a lot of journalists sitting up and saying, you know, wow, that's a, that's a coup. Yeah. That's a big deal. And that's, you know, that's a bit of a statement from Arsenal that they're, they're not prepared to rest on their laurels or let any player, you know, be in the side without stiff competition. And uh, I think that's a good thing. We saw how well Chesney played last season. And I have no doubt that that's in, in some part down to how well Fabianski was playing whenever he got the chance. I think it kept Chesney on his toes. And Ospina will do the same. I'm convinced he'll come here with ambitions of being the number one. Mm. He'll recognise that he won't start the season as number one. But any opportunity he gets he'll be looking to fight to stay in that team. So it can only be a good thing, really. And whoever comes out on top, it will be for, for the benefit of Arsenal. It, it does, though, if one player very obviously comes out on top, result in an unhealthy situation for the other. And that then yes. becomes uh, a problem if you've got two goalkeepers that want to play first-team football. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Arsene Wenger manages this because I don't think it's a situation he's ever had. Uh, at Arsenal, um, he, he's always, always had a very obvious number one. Um, mm. Perhaps in the Almunia years, it wasn't as uh, clear cut, um, you know, particularly when he when he dropped Lehman. But, you know, it's been Seaman when Manninger came in and did well. It didn't matter because Seaman came straight back in. Um, so I, I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how, how this one plays out and how he deals with it. I think it's difficult to manage in the longer term. I think, you know, you can get away with it for a season, maybe mm. even a couple of seasons, keeping someone unhappy, keeping someone on the bench. But it's not something that's going to last, you know, for five or ten years. Players won't accept that. Yeah. Um, however, you know, signing of Callum Chambers aside, a lot of Wenger's recent deals have have seemed a little less with the long term in mind. You know, mm. I think he, he recognises that the club needs to deliver success now. And uh, I think... You know, a Spina's arrival hopefully will push us towards doing that. Mm. Uh, Carl Jenkinson has gone out on loan. Mm. Uh, I don't think anybody's particularly surprised by that. But how do you view this loan? Is it a chance for him to play regularly, develop, and come back to Arsenal, or is it the first part of of how a player inevitably moves away from a club when they've got better options? I mean, I I want to believe. You know, and Arsenal.com were quite clear. They said he's gone out on loan to, to gain experience of regular first-team football. I, I want to believe that's the case, and I want to believe he comes back because I love Carl Jenkinson as much as any other Arsenal fan. Um, if I'm brutally honest, I do suspect that it, it feels a bit like, you know, those relationships that aren't working out when they go on a break. And you kind of <laughs> think, I'm not I'm not sure that break's ever going to end. Yeah. Um, it, it wouldn't blow my mind if, if Jenkinson doesn't come back to Arsenal. I, I kind of feel like that the movies made to West Ham, that might be his, his level. And he might say to himself, after a season of regular first-team football, maybe I don't want to go back and sit on the bench, however much I might love Arsenal. I'm a professional first and foremost. Yeah. And, and I want to play games. Um, I don't think anyone necessarily knows how this will pan out. I'm not sure the player knows or the manager. I think it's kind of a wait and see, see how you develop, see how you feel and see what position we're in at Arsenal, how Debussy and Chambers are managing. Yeah. Um, what's your what's your gut instinct? My gut instinct is that it's probably curtains. Um, 
but you know, like you and like many people, I'd really like him to to come back. I just feel that if they thought he was up for the fight now against, let's say, a 29-year-old Debushi, they wouldn't have brought in a 19-year-old with even less experience at right back than he has. Yeah. Um, but again, as I pointed out in the blog today, Debushi's not a long-term player for Arsenal. You know, mm. three seasons, maybe four. Um, and if Jenkinson performs to a very high level, then perhaps he's the guy who can come back and then start to compete properly with Debushi for the right back spot while Chambers moves perhaps to centre half or, or to a central mid- midfield position, depending on what Arsene Wenger wants to do with him. So, yeah, I think it's very difficult to be definitive about what happens. And, and like you, I think much will depend on, on how he performs. But, yeah, it's, it doesn't always augur well when, when a player goes out on loan at his age. You know, he's not exactly at 17 or 18 where you want them to get a little bit of experience so they can then come back for first team. You know, he's he's been around a bit. So, and yeah. in a way, I'm, I feel a bit not sorry for him because, you know, it's it's a professional game. And, um, but he obviously does love Arsenal in a big way and has a real connection with the fans. So I think it it's not like any other player going out on loan because he wears his heart in his sleeve so much, you know. Mm. So. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean the fact that Chambers is a, you know, a few years younger and sort of has immediately jumped above him in the pecking order, mm. as you say, it doesn't all go particularly well. But we'll see. Perhaps we'll have a storming season and we'll get back a, a much better player in twelve months' time. Yeah, well, that would be good for everyone, right? Okay, well, that's it for part one. We're going to take a short break. We're right back with part two after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. Time for the questions that you sent to us both at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog on Twitter with the hashtag ArscastExtra. And the first one this week, James, comes from Rohan Tejuani. And I hope I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that right. And he asks, do you think four preseason games are enough for Arsenal? They played seven last summer and six during the summer of the last World Cup. So what do you reckon? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel. It feels very sparse as a, as a schedule, doesn't it? It mm. feels very very light. Um, I think the the better comparison. So, what, give me those numbers again. Seven six. last summer and six during the summer of the last World Cup. Now yeah, I can't okay. guarantee that those numbers are correct. I'm just taking it that Rohan knows what he's what he's talking about here, given he how well like, informed our our listeners are. Yeah, he sounds like a guy who does. I'm prepared to take him at face value. Yeah, and it, I think <laughs> I think um, yeah. I, I mean, it kind of has to be enough because it's what we've got. Um, I, I don't think it's been an ideal preseason, though. You know, as great as the trip to New York was, especially for the fans. Um, you know, it's quite a, a hectic few days of activity for the players, and only the one game over in the states. Uh, they've been in Austria this week on a little bit of a training camp, but even that feels very fleeting, you know, three or four days uh, together out there. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned that we might be a little bit behind in our preparation. I think we're going to have to use, obviously, the Community Shield, uh, factor that in. Well, I mean, but that's all it is anyway, is a pre-season exactly. game. 
Exactly. And I think, you know, that's primarily about getting the fitness up. And I think there'll be a couple of players who, as we've talked about before, come the first game of the season, won't be at 100%. Yeah. But I kind of think that with the World Cup having happened, that was always going to be the case. I don't really see another way around it. You know, we could have played more games, but you have to hope that the sports science guys at Arsenal have sort of done their calculations and they have made a decision based on the you know the optimum requirements to get people ready could it um, be that perhaps the introduction of of this new miracle worker uh, shad forsyth uh, has uh, had an impact on this that perhaps maybe we're playing too many preseason friendlies in who knows in summer's past do you think a physio uh, at a football club I'm not sure physio is the correct, you know, title for him. Has ever received quite so much attention as Shad Forsyth has at Arsenal? No, it's it's incredible, but I think that's reflective of the problems that we had with injuries yeah. and fitness and and people's. Well, obviously, there are. I think everybody knows everything about the Arsenal uh, medical setup and how they work and what they do and what they don't do and and quite why they haven't paid attention. Uh, to this point I, I'm not sure but you yeah know, it's, it's just interesting that that he appears to have been as welcomed as a signing as as any of the new players that we've got but I worry for him I think there's probably more pressure on on Shad than there is on Alexis Sanchez <laughs> uh you know if he doesn't deliver the fans won't be happy they'll be calling for a new a new physio come the January transfer window yeah he- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. No, but he'll be fine. You know, first player that gets injured, he'll just, you know, lay hands on them uh, and uh, they'll be walking again. It'll be a miracle. <laughs> like a, like a, he's got a he's got a brilliant new setup. He's got a Bible preacher's tent at London Colony. That's how how he does it. The players walk in injured, he comes hallelujah. And they're <laughs> That's how it works. That's science, baby. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, since he's arrived, I believe I'm right to say Nabi Giabi has been available for selection every day. Do the- do the maths. Mm. Uh, in, uh, interesting. I was speaking to the press office this morning about uh, Johan Juru, about his okay. uh, about his situation and why he's still listed on the Arsenal website. And, and the expectation is that he is going to go to Hamburg. Uh, but the the intricacies of the deal haven't yet been finalized, which is why it hasn't been announced and, and he's still there. But mm. uh, it, it was mentioned to me that Per Mertesacker could well be used on the opening day of the season from the very opening day of the season despite the fact that he doesn't get back from his break until august the 11th so 
Um, I think part of the reason for that, apparently, is that Per has a reputation for being extremely good at looking after himself, even when he's not training with the with the first team. I think he has, you know, sort of personal fitness coaches and, and the like that he employs to keep him in tip-top condition sort of all, all year round. He's very supple. He is indeed, yeah. Well, we know from his... his Twister death matches, <laughs> but uh, but I, uh, uh, you know, because actually Wenger was slightly misquoted on this. So there were some quotes a couple of weeks ago where he said the Germans uh, won't be ready for the start of the season. But he actually before said I think that he thinks there's a ninety percent chance that Murtasaka will. It's the other Germans who he's worried about. Now yeah. that's partly, as we say, because you know Per does look after himself very well. But is it also slightly born out of desperation and, and our need for him? Mm. Um, we've not got a tremendous amount of other options at centre half if Thomas Vermaelen isn't, you know, considered for selection, which which may be the case. It he seems. is uh, still struggling with the effects of a of a hamstring injury. Now, right. whether that's a hamstring injury or a hamstring injury, uh, are I'm you doing the fingers? I'm doing the fingers. We, we should make this part of vidcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't quite know. I think he did have an injury problem going into the World Cup, but when there's that much speculation about a player's future and they're, they're sidelined through injury, you know, the, there's always that question mark, isn't there? So Yeah, I mean, uh, his World Cup was, was ended by injury, was it not? I think, I seem to remember him coming off. He, he got a start in such and such a game, and then he came off maybe for Von Vertonghen. Um but yeah, so you know there could there could be truth in that. Remains to be seen, really. But yeah, I do wonder if Mertesacker will be hurried back slightly yeah. quicker than the others, simply we'll, because we'll we need soon him. find out. We'll soon find out. it's only a couple of weeks away. Yeah. Right then. Next question. Yeah. This comes from Rob at Rob Reggie, and he asks on the subject of Callum Chambers: Is sixteen million pounds? too much of a gamble for Chambers and could the money have been better spent elsewhere well I think it is always a gamble when you spend 16 million pounds on a teenager who's only played X amount of games but as we spoke about earlier Arsene Wenger's track record particularly in doing that with Southampton is quite good mm-hmm. you'd have to say so you, you'd need to you'd need to trust his judgement on that one um, and maybe 16 million pounds over the course of a 10-year Arsenal career or, or whatever it might be, people will look back and go, wow, what a bargain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it can obviously go both ways. Whether it could have been better spent elsewhere, that remains to be seen as well because we don't know whether or not we're finished spending, what we've got left to do in the transfer market. So uh, I'm not at this point, um, given the fact that we've long bemoaned the club's lack of spending at times, to be critical when we do spend. So, to me, it just I'm r- just really happy with everything that's going on and what we've been doing so far. So I don't want to, like, think about it from a negative point of view. And that's not just being yeah. happy-clappy, it's just uh, kind of how I feel about it. I, I feel the same way. And also, I think that with these younger players, I feel like those investments are almost a separate part. You know, I, I remember in 2011, in the summer, everyone was calling for us to go and buy experienced players. And there was a little bit of anger when we spent about £15 million on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. 
uh, and people were saying, you know, why are the club investing money in a kid? We need first team players. Yeah. But you ha- you have to do those deals too. You have to look at the longer term, the bigger picture. And Wenger's excellent at doing that. And I, th- I think, you know, sometimes these investments, they might seem pricey at the time, but as you say, over the course of several years of service, they start to look like real value. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to remember the same summer, Southampton got twice that fee for, for their other fullback, Luke Shaw. So, you know, I think £16 million, I'm not going to say it's going to look a bargain, but I think it might look like good value in a few years' time. Yeah, I think so too, particularly in in light of the, the Shaw deal. And um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't know if it was you or somebody that I noticed on Twitter uh, while I was away talking about how Southampton fans were much more upset to lose Chambers than Shaw. So, mm. all right. Yeah, okay. I think so. Here's here's a question. It comes from uh, at SidKHare88. Uh, and in the light of some stories that, that did emerge last week, he wants to know, is Jack Wilshire a realistic option for a DM? Mm, the mythical DM. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do I think Jack Wilshire can play as essentially as our deepest line midfielder. Yes, he can. Um how good will he be at it? I'm not sure. He's I feel like he has some of the attributes. You know, he'd be great at starting off the play. He's uh certainly tenacious, um, doesn't mind a challenge. But he's got a, you'd have a huge amount to learn on the, the positional side of the game, the kind of you know uh, all, the, all those canny little tricks that make a good holding midfielder a good holding midfielder, and knowing when to cover your fullback, knowing when to sit and hold, you know when you can afford to break forward and when you can't. That's not something he has in his game yet. Mm. And I think if Arsenal were to try and put him through that process, there would be teething problems, um, and that could prove costly. Yeah. And I'm not sure that that would necessarily bring the best out of him as a player. I still think, at heart, he's got great attacking instincts and great creative gifts. And I feel like if we're going to see the best of Wilshire, it's going to be in a, in a position much like Aaron Ramsey where he can use those and, and make the most of those. So for me, no, I'd rather see someone who's a specialist come in. Um, what, what do you reckon on that one? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think he could certainly do a job if you're playing with, with two men in that position and uh, not necessarily one holding midfielder, but two slightly holding midfielders. Uh, but yeah. on his own, I think that job would be just too much for him. Um, I don't think he would cope aerially at all because he's not that big and he doesn't strike me as somebody who wins a lot of headers. Uh, no, mm. Somebody will uh, pull out the stats on that one and prove me wrong, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, uh, I think, he's better going forward than he is defensively as much as he does like to tackle and get stuck in he doesn't always do that well either uh he can no. be a bit foully um so no not for me and it would be a big surprise for me if if that was something Arsene Wenger was considering cool okay well let's have the next question it is from Akib Alias and he asks since it's Canu's birthday today probably 70 odd what is your what is your favorite moment of his easy uh the goal against deportivo la coruña correct that's the correct answer where he just headed it and then sort of had the ball at his feet and 
didn't touch it again <laughs> and just yeah. dummied it past the keeper. Uh, just the most amazing thing I think I've ever seen on, on a football pitch. Um, just because I, I don't quite understand how he did it or yeah. how the goalkeeper fell for it or, or anything, but just, just sublime, really. Yeah. I absolutely adored Cano, I have to say. He's really one of my all-time favourite Arsenal players. He just did things that that blew your mind. Mm. Uh, immediately, that goal's the, the first that comes to mind, but then I also think of the, the goal against Middlesbrough, the kind of back flick yeah. uh, from the corner of the box. The, the hat-trick at Stamford Bridge, let's well, not forget. Well, that was just an amazing thing. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, you know, I don't... Have we seen that since? Ever? I don't know, I mean, nothing like that. We've seen some good comebacks, haven't we? You know, we've, uh, you know, think of the game against Bolton. We were down to 10 men. I think we came back to win 3-2. Some Catalan bloke scored the winner. Um, the the 7-5 in, in the in the Capital One Cup. But for one player, with what, what was there, 15 minutes to go? Yeah, to do that, it's like amazing. That. Yeah, that goal against uh, Tottenham as well, where he what? flicked it over Luke Young. Was yeah, it that was Young? a great goal. I don't know who it was, I, I, but whoever it was looked rather silly by the end of it. Um, it just had unbelievable talent, mm. um, you know. And there were a few quips about his, his age and what have you, but it really it didn't matter at all because he was just extraordinarily gifted and. Uh, you forget it was a massive gamble when we took him as well. He'd had heart problems, hadn't he, at yeah. Inter Milan? But what a signing he turned out to be. Um, yeah, we've not seen many players with that kind of natural flair for the game. Yeah. Uh, but that Deportivo goal was was like magic, really, probably yeah. magic stuff. So happy, happy birthday. Happy Kano. birthday, Canu. Thanks for that. I mean, you just can't look at it and not laugh yeah. at that goal. And actually, I think there's a there's a on the video, if you can find it, I think they replay it on the screen and you just hear people laughing because they weren't quite aware of what he'd done in real time. But when you see the replay, you just hear people laughing. Amazing. It, it's like a Jedi goal, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> right, here's a question from uh, Lasse Hammer. And he wants to know, why are there no young centre-backs coming through at Arsenal that could be promoted to third or fourth choice? Uh, good question. I mean, so there's been a few training with the first team this summer. Um, Semi Ajayi, Isaac Hayden, who we've seen playing midfield in the first team a couple of times. Obviously, Ignacy Mikel, who we're a bit more familiar with. I think that um, it's difficult to see any of them breaking into the, the squad this season because in part of the arrival of Callum Chambers, had we bought, you know, a, just one more experienced defender... Mm. And lost for Marlon. So if you had Mertzaka, Koscielny, an experienced new signing, you know, I could see somebody like Hayden filling that that fourth centre-back spot. But I think that's going to be Chambers' role as well as cover for Debussy. Um, so I think if Marlon goes, he'll probably be replaced by someone with more experience than Chambers. Um, so I don't see it happening. And I, I guess it must just speak to Wenger's assessment of the players. I don't think... He's someone who's loath to use young players. Uh, you know, we we know he, he loves to work with young talent. He's happy to sign players who bring players in who've got a lot to learn still if he believes in their potential. He must just think the guys we've got either aren't ready or aren't good enough. And I think at centre-back, 
it's a position where you can't afford to take too many gambles, and he's mm. been burnt. He's been burnt by that before. You know, you think of Yaya Juru, Philippe Senderos, when they were coming through, inevitably out of inexperience, they made mistakes, and perhaps he, he feels that that's not something he can afford right now. Yeah, yeah, it's a difficult position to to learn as well because every mistake generally proves very costly. Yeah, um, like goalkeeper. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he's he's blooded someone like Chelsea. I watched Hayden in the the game against New York Red Bulls. Mm. He played the first half uh, at center half alongside Nacho Monreal. Mm. Um, he looks like he he could probably do a job there. Looked comfortable on the ball, um, pretty quick, good in the air. So I wonder if he might be in and around the squad or perhaps loaned out to to give him a season of experience because um i think they do think quite highly of him so yeah i mean we'll i think it, it, I, I think with somebody like Mikel, who who last season was sent out on loan to get that experience and only ended up playing 12 times for leicester i think that tells you as much as you need to know about him so or his yeah. chances even i should say uh, without being cruel. okay one more from you one more. Okay, this comes from SuperArse710. Uh, and he asks, how many more signings do you expect this summer? Two. Two? Two, yeah. got, You came out with that quite quickly and quite definitively. Do you I want don't to know why. I don't, explain? I think a centre-half. Mm. I think we've got to have a centre-half. And I think that we might just get the midfielder. That's that's what I think. So I'm, you know, being quite happy and positive about everything we've done. Uh, I think we'll probably sign two more players, but I don't rule out those two players coming in while perhaps two more go out. If you know what I mean. So we could sign yeah. a centre half and sell sell Vermaelen, and we could buy a midfielder and sell a midfielder or move a midfielder on. Um, I wonder. If anyone out there has taken notice, I can't remember what we said we'd spend our net. Oh, spend. they have. Remember we did that. They definitely have taken notice because I've had some stick about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I don't remember what I said. Um, uh, I don't remember exactly what I said. I thought we'd put them in like a Brendan Rodgers style sealed envelope that we were going to reveal at the end I, of the transfer window. I, I, I did write it down. I remember at the time writing it down. But I mean, the one... great things about podcasts is it is out there like you know we can dig it out we'll find it well i can because i can't remember what episode it was in or anything like that so um all oh, right well look, if anyone does remember maybe tweet it to us yeah um don't make it up you know <laughs> you said we, we were, we were i mean we're wrong enough as it is you know because <laughs> i think we were quite conservative i think we were kind of in the the 40, 40 to 50 bracket. million pound yeah Mm, which you know at, at the moment is is we're sort of we're over that. But as you say, we've got till the end of uh, end of August for for all the players to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think. What do you I reckon? Think, How many more? At least one. I think there's definitely one more. Yeah. That's because I think Thomas from Ireland will leave, and I think we will have to sign another centre back. I don't think I'd feel confident enough to have Chambers as the third choice centre half, given his lack of experience, mm. however talented he might be. Agree. So 
I think there'll be a centre half, and I think there may be a midfielder. There may be a midfielder. There's still talk about Schneiderlin. There's still talk about Kadira. I don't know. We shall see. Well, that'll be one to watch. I think both of those transfers could could drag out yeah. a little bit wherever they end up going. You think we're done up front? I do, and I have thought that for some time. Yeah, yeah same. All right. Uh, okay. Final question. Uh, this week comes from. Ollie Pierce, at Ollie Pierce. And he says, what would you rather live with? Massive hands, which are three times bigger than normal, or no hair at all on your person? Interesting. Mm. I think I'm going to have to go no hair. I mean, I'm I'm halfway there already. (laughs) I I think... um, I think, yeah, I'm going to go no hair. Because, to be honest, the the lack of re- required upkeep appeals to me. I feel like there'd be something convenient about it. Yeah, you know, I just... No grooming? Have, no grooming of any kind. No unclotting uh, or, or, you know... No unclotting, no shaving, no shampooing. Uh-huh. Just a sort of sleek figure. And the massive hands thing... I can only see that becoming problematic. Yeah, I don't see any upside to having massive hands unless you're going to be a boxer. And I, yeah. I, I've spent, I have to say, most of my life avoiding situations where other people can punch me in the face. Yeah, exactly. I, I, don't see any, I don't see any reason to be punched in the face. And I don't see any reason to punch anyone else in the face really either. But maybe if you had massive hands, it would... Yeah, change your opinion. But yeah, it would be really difficult, of course, to do normal things with your massive hands, like a keyboard or send a text message, because, you know. I mean, I I have that problem with an iPhone already, to be honest. Yeah. I have, you know, clumsy thumbs. I struggle. And so with massive hands, it would be a nightmare. My my text messages would be incomprehensible, for one. Mm. Um, Whereas I feel like the... The hairlessness thing, I just feel like it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me enormously. Yeah. And look, if I'm, you wanted hair, you could get some. You could get a you could get a nice wig. You could change your hairstyle daily if you liked. That could does appeal know? as well. That's pretty cool because one day you could have really really long hair, and the next you could have a big Mohican. And uh, you know, of course, you could you could get a you know if you were feeling in the mood, you could get a good Merkin for down there. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've already got a few, but I feel like they'd get more use if yeah. I was hairless. So <laughs> I, I, I'm going for that one. All right, then. Well, on that um, on that note, we shall, we shall leave it On that it revelatory there. note. <laughs> yeah, just for a reminder that if you're going to the Emirates Cup this weekend, you can pick up copies of the Arse Blog book together, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season in the Tollington, because no doubt you'll be drinking in there in the Tollington uh, before the game. You can pick up books from behind the bar. They're all signed. Um, you continue to have a, a good time in Edinburgh. I will do. I hope you recover from your New York exertions. Indeed, and we shall do this again at some point next week. Good stuff. Cheers, everyone. Bye.
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.